Welcome back to the Tim Vaxelbaum Show. This is episode 35. I'm coming to you loud, proud, and in control. I'm a very self-regulated, well-rounded human male being. And this is how I'm going to talk for the entire episode because sometimes you just get locked into an accent and you just can't get out of it. What could I say? I don't have my own way of talking. I just copied other people and now I have this weird hodgepodge, this weird conglomerate of accents that just come out of my mouth. What could I say? Sometimes it sounds like Donald Trump. Sometimes it sounds like Blagojevich. I have a very Blagojevich, I don't know, him. And sometimes I sound like uh, Sebastian Maniscalco. Maniscalco. Or Andrew Dice Clay, if you're into, if you heard of him from the 80s, he was a huge superstar comedian from the 80s. I was born in the 80s, now I'm an adult in the 20s. How does that, how is this working out? How is this decade working out for you? I don't know, man, it's funky. It's weird to be in the present, cause a lot of shit is going on, it's like, you know, like un, Shit just doesn't feel like in stone anymore. I'm disillusioned from the world of like things being like real and good. What do I mean by that? Like it's hard for a community to persist and last in a healthy way. There's always internal drama. There's always people that hate the other people in your in your community. And it's like is this real? No, it's just an illusion. Anything that's a construct, a whole, a human construct is artificial. And so how do you live in that world knowing that anything that you thought was good as a kid, like, oh, what if I become, what if I get like to a successful business? What if I'm in a successful band? What if I'm a successful comedian? It'll be all great and peachy, hunky dory for the rest of my life. Well, no. It's going to be a struggle, and it's not going to feel real, even if it is as close to real as you could get. Everybody is struggling to maintain the illusion of success. I'm not. I'm killing it. Everything you see about me is real. Nah. This podcast is about self-improvement. That's one of the th- topics that I cover that I want it to. It's one of the core topics, you know, because everyone's going through like everyone has faults. Everyone has uh, issues and defects in their personality that, you know, some of which are very deep rooted and it's hard to get out of it. It's hard to pull yourself out of the muck. It's hard to break patterns of behavior and if you could do that that's that's why people clap when you when they say oh i've been sober i'm six months sober and then you they automatically clap or if you say i lost 50 pounds in the past year people clap because they like self-improvement because it's something that's hard to do and it's just like hey good for you even if it's like, oh, I've lost more weight than you. Fuck, I've, I lost 100 pounds. Who cares? Everyone has their own. It's not the point. It's not about the record break. Get it to be, hey, hey, hey. So my story is being chronicled on this 
very podcast and uh I guess one of my stories that I or one of my threads of behavior that I'm trying to break has been sobriety, you know, alcohol. I quit alcohol about eight months ago on the you know, exactly eight months ago. Give or take who gives a fuck? Yeah, within a couple of days of eight months ago is when I quit alcohol. It was a rude awakening. I got into a pile up. Nah. I didn't ki- nobody got hurt. I didn't kill anybody, you know. Uh, no permanent damage occurred. But that's not minimizing the fact that I, uh, that I needed to take a hard look at myself. Because I moved here with this, like, f- I don't know. I guess I thought I could just get away with just, like, being drunk all the time. And you can. It's not that hard. Being drunk all the time is... A not the worst way to get through life. I mean, <laughs> there's a reason people do it. There's a reason people just every day get drunk for most of the day. It's because life kind of sucks. It's like like life is brutal, and alcohol makes it tolerable. It makes it. It gives you this feeling of like, yeah, this is not that bad. Let's have fun. Let's talk to this fucking crazy. Let's just uh, start talking to somebody that I would normally not want to talk to because they look like they're weird like they i don't want to get involved in their fucking life but when you're on alcohol it's like fuck it dude let's hang out let's have a ball let's intermingle our problems and see what happens because who gives a fuck man if you're going through life without alcohol that fucking you better get better at life if you just stay at the same level that you started with there's a you're, it's going to suck if you quit drinking and have to all of a sudden face reality without the help of alcohol it's like without that feeling of like it doesn't matter this light levity feeling you're feeling the harshness of of everyday life it's like what's the point of this again why am i doing this just wake up you get you have to do all these chores or else everything deter, deteriorates if i don't clean my house if i don't pay the bills it all just goes down the fucking tubes what's the point of that where's the reprieve from that where's the fun where the fuck is the fun in being sober yeah that's that's a question i'm still trying to answer and uh, you know it happens here and there and it feels when i do have something good happen or when i create my own happiness it's more rewarding it's a long term it just feels more legitimate if i have a fun night of like socializing with people without alcohol and i feel woken up and like comfortable in my own skin and I could shoot this shit with people and like show my true personality in a way that's not offensive and like uh, turns people off. That's actually a lot better. It just is an uphill battle because I get into these very bad, dark moods where I can't hide the fact that I'm in a depressive mood. And I go out just to get out of the house to be around people and I have to not take things for granted, the fact that Hey, this is not so bad. You know, just don't bring other people down. And that's one of the struggles of being somebody with severe depression is like you don't want to bring other people down. So you isolate yourself and that makes it even worse. 
And that's part of the problem. That's why a lot of depressed people just like fade away into oblivion and just they get so used to that feeling that they think it's correct. They think they just uh, relish. Uh, I forgot the word for it, for when you just go into it, when you just let the depression kind of overtake you and you feed into it. You go, yeah, this is the way I'm supposed to feel. Uh, that's a bad thing to do. Because it's a deep-rooted thing, and I'm working on it. I don't want to... I hate it. It's actually very... Uh, it's You do suffer. <laughs> like, I, I'm very, like... I don't know what it is about me, where I could be severely depressed and, like, wake up at, like, 6 p.m. and just not do anything. But I'm still somewhat functional. I still eventually shower, brush my teeth, wash my clothes... I take care of the bare minimum, but that's just right. You know, it's a, it's bad that I'm just able to think of it as normal. I'm able to go about my life with severe depression and not do anything about it, and that's uh, something I'm gonna I'm trying to address. I need to, I need to do what's right for me because this is another thing about this podcast is we promote self love. We promote on this podcast you putting yourself first. You can't just be the uh, the sponge of other people's problems and have them bring you down with nothing in return. That's not a f f real friendship. You can't just be somebody else's loofah for their emotional fucking struggle and then have them be like, okay, goodbye, and then leave you in the fucking just fucking abandon you it's like okay now that i gave you what you needed you're just gonna fucking go about the rest of your day and leave me with the fucking baggage and not be able to uh get my shit out so yeah no i don't like that i like to have people i like to be around people that make me feel better I don't like to be around people that maybe fucking feel empty inside and feel like, what the fuck? You just bankrupt. You just robs me of my. Uh, you just put me in a worse mood than I was. And I've been taking a lot of the magical mushrooms. Not right now. I'm I'm very sober at the moment. But I took a big dose uh, last night, and I went out, and I was, you know, I knew I was in a bad place. Like I knew that something could set me off if I let that happen. So I knew to avoid certain people or whatever. And that's fine. Yeah, nothing happened, but I, but I was not in the best mood. So I was like, so the second that somebody gave me a vibe that didn't match my vibe, they were like, I showed that I wasn't happy with them and they could tell I wasn't in the mood. I couldn't hide my problems. So I wasn't going to be like, yeah, yes, how are you today? Like, I just didn't have that generosity. Uh, sometimes I do. You know, sometimes I could just go up to somebody and be like, yo, how are you doing? And, like, actually get them to tell me how they're doing, like, for real. Like, tell me what's going on. What is your struggle that you're going through right now? I'm pretty good at getting people to open up about their own problems. And then, you know, it's rewarding sometimes. Like, I get... I get so fixated on what am I getting out of this town? When is it going to be me 
getting everything I need, I want in my in my pursuit of uh, comedy. You could get very depressed if you go from if all you look at is like social climate. Like I want to only hang around with people that are better than me, that could help me further my own career. You get it's very easy to fall into that trap of how the f- why am I wasting my time talking to somebody that isn't above that can't help me? That's a bad mentality to be in because you look like a douchebag because then you're going to be very short with people like if they're just starting out and they can't help you get on whatever if they can't further your career it's like yeah 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 great you just write them off and like you look like a dick and people don't like that and also you get unhappy because you you get bored, and I, this is not something I could just snap away, snap my fingers, and have it go away. If I'm around, comedy, if I'm at a place, and you know, like a comedy club or a coffee shop, and there's nobody there that I give a fuck about that I want to hang out with, I'll just get l- depressed. I'll get lonely. Like, okay, well, I know I don't want to just go home, so I just uh, would be alone. And and uh, what is the word? I'll just post up at a table alone and maybe some people will come towards me and hang out with me if I'm in the right uh, mindset. If I put out the right vibe, people will come to me. I think there's an aura that everybody puts out. If I'm on mushrooms, that increases my emotional openness in that I've just noticed that if I'm on mushrooms, that puts me in this feeling of like being surrounded by love. That's what they feel like. At you know, they could you could have a dark negative trip, but I take a, the right amount where it just makes me feel like I'm surrounded by this blanket of love that comes from nature. And if I have that aura around me, other people will pick up on it and gravitate towards me. And so the point I'm trying to make is that I'm cool. I'm becoming one of the cool guys in Austin comedy. That's why I'm wearing the sunglasses. That's why I'm wearing the shirt with my own name on it. It's not merch. This is not a shirt that you could just buy. It's just me advertising my own coolness as a brand. Timmy Gusto, watch out. He's taking over. He's an example of what coolness is in 2022 if you're a white guy you're straight you gotta figure something out you can't just be a beta male and my brand is very domineering it's very like look at me i take up a lot of time just doing shit on stage that shows that i am trying to like milk every little bit of glitz in glam, I'm trying to just be glamorous and be like, "Look at me!" And I take off my sunglasses. Ugh! Like I, that's part of the persona that I'm building, and I've been, and it's, uh, it works sometimes. For the most part, if I really feel it, then it is funny to see somebody go up there and treat it as if they're like doing a headliner set when it's just an open mic. But anyway. So I was on mushrooms last night and I was like, and this dude came up to me and was like, yo, where's the, who do I, how do I get on this? Who runs this? I was like, dude, 
don't bother me. Don't come up to me and ask me that fucking information. That's not what I'm here for. I'm not here to like just help you get on stage. And uh, so I kind of gave him a bad vibe. I was like, dude, yeah, whatever. It's that guy. Figure it out. And he could like, it just rubbed me the wrong way because it was not the vibe. So it's not cool to just go up to people and be like, yeah, how can you give me something? How can you immediately give me the thing that I came here for? It's like, dude, that's not very generous of you to just take me, to just go up to me like that with that kind of energy. Be a little more generous and then I'll tell you what you need. Yeah, so, you know, you got to read people's vibe. You got to be generous to people. And you can't just you can't just be all about you, me, you. It's all like you got to learn how to be cool. And so that's another thing I was talking about because like, I am, I'm not, I don't know. Being cool is, is a definitely a rare thing and it's it's like, you can't tell, call yourself cool. It's not how it works. But I, but I know when I'm doing it. I know it when I see it. Coolness just means like being aloof. Just means like be like, hey, yeah, whatever. Even if you got nothing to say, you could still be cool. Cool is not always being the one to say things. The cool person is the one that just lets things happen in, you know, in front of them. Like there could be a conversation where everyone's getting all crazy and like arguing and like trying to one up each other. The cool person is the one in the back with their legs up, just be like, "Eh, I don't care what y'all are talking about. Whatever, don't give a fuck." And then they they go, "Oh, look at you! He doesn't even care." So it's not the guy trying to think of the funny thing to say. That's not cool, man. Uh, it's cool. Like this shirt, for example, is cool. Um, that's a thing. Not everybody has like good style. It's hard to, it's, it's a skill to dress cool. But this shirt is based on a Gucci shirt. I did not design it. I copied it from a Gucci shirt. It's called Gucci Blade. And it came out very nice. It was very expensive. And I can't wear it every day because that would be really not cool. You gotta only wear your cool clothing once in a blue moon. I have a shirt that I've only ever worn once in in uh, Texas. I've worn it in Chicago once too. That's it though. You don't want to rewear your coolest shirt because people will be like, "Yeah, that again." It's like that was cool the one time you wore it because I. I know what it feels like to to wear a really cool outfit and you you catch you notice people looking at you. It's like I like that they're looking. I like that kind of attention because I earned it. I paid my I, I selected the outfit. I got it tailored whatever. I attention to detail is so crucial in coolness. Like this shirt I put hours of it, of time into like the proportions like making it look exactly the same as the Gucci like I didn't just snap it out of my fuck I put a lot of time into that uh and uh, I don't know so anyway self improvement so what I'm really struggling with in my current day and age of my life is getting out of bed 
having energy, having motivation. I have background. I have this fatigue, this background chronic fatigue that is in my brain. It gives me brain fog, and it's uh, it's 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 debilitating. And I don't know what's causing it. I think it could be a form of long COVID. I got because that's when I first started noticing it. When I had COVID for the first time back in twenty, back in February of twenty twenty one, over a year and a, about a year and a half ago, and it's still pretty bad. So say what you want about about COVID being not a big deal. I think it is a big deal. I think a lot of people have have suffered from long COVID, and it started. That's when I started noticing my comedy going down. I just wasn't as present and funny and quick because of the brain fog and i'm still struggling with it to this day and i don't have a solution i'm trying to do what i can without going to a uh, psychiatrist well you know i need a psychiatrist for just the whole depression thing i think if you have severe depression you should probably like go to a therapist and get some treatment I think uh, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, would be a very good thing for me. Because I just have these self-esteem issues. That's why I got to dress so cool all the time. That's why I put thought into my image. Because I, if I feel cool, that I look nice, I will feel better about myself. And I'll perform better. I'll have more swagger. I'll have more confidence. But I think that's a deep-rooted issue that I need to address because my self-esteem is in the shitter. Like, I could be pretty good at things if I believe in myself and if I feel like I deserve to be up there. I'll do good at comedy, but that's it's been faltering. I've been going down, like, this negative decline of, like, oh, I suck. I'm not good enough to be here, even though... Most people are way worse at it than me. Uh, I've been doing it for 10 years almost, going on 10 years. So I know that I should be better. And so it doesn't matter to me that most other people are not as good. They've been doing it for less time. So part of the reason I'm still an open micer is because I don't believe in myself. I don't genuinely think I am good enough to have a career in comedy. But then there's another part of me that knows that that's bullshit and that I actually am good enough. I just need to f get my health. I need to get my mental health in, in check. That's it. I need to be able to wake up and have the motivation to, st to work on my jokes before the shows are happening, not wake up at 6 p.m. and only have like an hour to get ready and go to the show. So that's my problem. My problem... See, I'm, I'm the rare... I have a rare problem. I'm funny. I just don't have the agility, the thrust, and the physical motivation to just get out of bed, do the heavy lifting, work on jokes, like actually do the craft, do the job. I don't. I could have done a road gig a couple days ago, but I was just like, I don't feel like driving there, and my car is not good to. T it's just it'll get another flat tire and all that shit. Don't want to put more miles on my Tesla. 
but I could have if I wanted to, and I just didn't, you know? So if you don't even want to do the gigs, then that's a, why are you, then you can't really complain that you're not getting that many, you know, man. So that's my problem. It's not that I'm not funny. I know, and that's a thing to not take for granted, too. It's like most people, I hate to say this, aren't funny. They just weren't gifted with the spring. They weren't sprinkled with, like, the fairy dust of funny, funniness. It's a gene. It just comes, or it's just something you develop as a kid. I, or, I don't know. For me, I do take it for granted because I was always funny. Naturally, I always had natural that ability, even as like my first memory as a kid, like three, I was somebody told me I could be a comedian. I was like three and an adult in his 40s was like, you could be a comedian. I was like, okay. So that was one of my first memories. So of course, I know I could be one and I am kind of a comedian. I don't really think of myself as that because I'm not getting paid. I'm not a professional comedian. I'm an amateur, but I am. And like being funny is such a rare thing. And like to be genuinely, to know that you're funny, that's something that people struggle with. They don't even know if they're funny yet. Like at these open mics, there's these people that have, they're super insecure. If they, if somebody tells them they're not funny, they actually take it personally because they go, well, maybe I'm not. They don't know if they're funny yet. For me, I've been told enough times by other people that are also that are really talented that I'm funny. So I don't really have that insecurity anymore. I know I'm funny. I could bomb worse than any comedian in the whole show, and I do all the time, but doesn't really affect me as much anymore because I know I'm, it's just a bad, I probably, I just fucked up in a way that I probably chose to do. Like, I kind of can turn it on and off. I could decide if I want to, like, try. I could decide, okay, I'm going to actually try to do well. But most of the time, if I'm just at a shitty open mic and I don't give a fuck about anyone there, I'll be like, you know what? I'm just going to bomb because it makes me feel alive. Because then it motivates me to have a reason to try later on. Uh, open mics, you're not even supposed to do well at. Who cares if you bomb at an open mic? You're kind of supposed to. I like to just do open mics. If I have a show later that night, I will try my best to hit an open mic just to remember what it's like to be on stage and talk into a microphone. That's another reason I often don't do well in this town is because... I don't talk to anybody. I don't have a day job where I warm up my talkative, where I just learn how to, I don't know, use my voice. If So that's a huge factor. If the very first thing I'm saying to somebody is, in a, is on stage into a microphone, it'll feel so alien. Like, here I am talking. I haven't done this all day. So... But the point I was making about how, like, it doesn't even matter. Like, if I eat dick and I bomb in such a hard way, it's like, okay, doesn't mean I'm not funny. So, because I've been told, I've been told that I'm funny by my favorite 
comedians, not in the world, but in my hometown. In Chicago, I was told by people that I look up to that I'm funny in a genuine way. They weren't just being nice. They actually meant it. So, I don't know. That just gives you like this bulletproof vest. It just gives you this this uh, this uh, patina, like this shield, because you know that who cares? Like anything you say, you could be like, well, I know I'm funny, so I don't have to worry about if someone else doesn't like it because I'm the one saying it, and I am a comedian. The part of actually making it a job. Now that is the part that I'm trying to get serious about. That's why I got the new stage name, Timmy Gusto. People ask me how it's pronounced, so I don't know if that was a good move to pick a name that also has different pronunciations, but it doesn't fucking matter. It's a made-up name. I pronounce it gusto because it's the English word. Gusto is an English word. It means like having a lot of chutzpah. It means like, look at this. He has a lot of gusto, but other people can pronounce it gusto, and that's fine. I don't give a fuck. So if somebody tells me, how do you pronounce it? I just go, up to you. Doesn't fucking matter. It's a brand. It's a fake name. I'm starting to get used to it. Uh, it goes. It is not the worst name. It goes with my, with my uh, persona, and I like that it has the same ca- number of characters in it as Gucci. Because this T-shirt, just wearing this shirt, makes me feel like more of a complete person. And I hate to say that, but that's how fucking like uh, delicate I am. My ego. I have to. Like, as much as I know I'm always going to be funny, I know I do not like that, I that I'm struggling to be funny all the time. Pre-COVID, I had so much confidence. I had this persistent confidence of, of just every day. I was excited to just get on stage, even at a shitty open mic in the back room of a diner in front of two other comedians. I knew I would still have fun. Because I was just riding this wave of confidence that was like real. I was like, hey, I'm funny. I know I'll probably be at least better than most of the people at this open mic. And now that I'm in a different scene and I'm in a, in a bigger market, like Texas is a huge market. There's big, several big cities that are way bigger than just Chicago. And you're going to meet other funny people that are doing better than you on stage they might not be funnier than you like you know pound for pound but they're doing better than me on stage because they're just better at it than me at the moment and that makes me want to like it makes me feel inadequate it's like okay what am i doing what do i got to do why am i failing at something that i know i've been able to do before what the hell is going on and part of it is the is the chronic fatigue and so this brings me to one of the issues that I've been struggling with besides what I've been what I already talked about which is the uh fatigue and chronic severe depression it's the uh what I do as a coping mechanism as somebody who lives alone and has no governor has no bedtime daytime I have no day job I have nothing to keep me grounded I don't have a wife I don't have any kids I don't have any pets 
So what I do pretty much every day of my life is I overeat. And I've been starting to do some research on overeating and it's called there's a there's a disorder that I probably have called binge eating disorder. Do I have it? Most definitely. I mean, am I able to diagnose myself with this? No, you have to have a professional diagnose you. But do I have it? Yeah. I would bet a lot of money that I have this fucking disorder. And I don't look like it. I don't look like I am a, that I have binge eating disorder because I'm not fat. But I've been overweight. I've I know what it's like to have a gut that that kind of sticks out and you and it made me feel very ashamed of myself when I was weighing about 140. When I'm in the 140s, I definitely have like a gut. That's overweight for me. I'm only 5 foot 3, so that's that would be considered overweight in the BMI according to that so I could even lose a few more pounds I'm like 125 right now but it's going up it's actually it's going up because I'm fucking up and so I go I every night it's it's compulsory that's the thing about binge eating is you it's not just like okay do I want to do like it you have once you set your mind on it on food it's like yeah i'm definitely going to order food i'm de- i can't stop myself i'm going to eat and tune out until i'm uncomfortably full and then you're going to feel shame afterwards like why the fuck did i do that and you feel trapped into this cycle and it it's just that's why it's a disorder and the only thing that separates binge eating disorder from bulimia or anorexia is the purging the lack of purging if you're just a binge eater you don't purge but you might fast as a way to try to tamp down to to stop you from doing it see the thing about it is like you need to eat it's not like heroin you don't need to do heroin every day of your life to survive you, you, you kind of do need to, at a certain point, eat food, like kind of close to every day. So that's the fucking brutal part about it is you can't, you have to, dis, you have to be able to distinguish between if you're doing it out of necessity or if you're doing it because you want to be doing it. And I do know that line. I could tell when I'm doing it just to fill the hole. Because there's nothing else going on. It's like I need to feel like I'm doing something productive today. And the only thing that I can, that I have the energy to do is move my mouth. Just like is to to eat, to chew food and feel it going down and feeling yourself getting full. That feels like an achievement, even though it's an unhealthy one. It's like, okay, I did something. I consumed calories and then you feel this discomfort, this comfortable discomfort of being full. And you could feel that you're full physically, but then you're not still psychologically full. That's something I just learned about, but I also already knew deep down. I already knew that I was doing that, but I watched a little bit of YouTube videos about it and like how, yeah, you might be full. You're, you could feel that your stomach is satiated. 
but that doesn't mean you're full psychological. You still want to keep going and going until you feel uncomfortably full. You want to feel that like, uh, what did I do to myself? You want to feel that feeling of like self-inflicted pain just a little bit. I don't want to be like walking around with like the huge pain, like my, like my stomach's going to burst, but you kind of do. That's when you could stop eating. It's like when you feel like you just did something harmful to yourself. It's a form of self-harm. And then the next day, you tell yourself, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to, starting tomorrow, I'm not going to, I'm going to go back to eating clean. I'm going to go back to keto. And it never happens. It's just so fucking hard when you have nothing going on all night and you know you're going to be up. And you know that if you start fasting, that's only going to make you stay up even later and later because fasting makes it hard to sleep. So it's like you're not going to be able to get it out of your head. And then it becomes this thing you just have to do. I have to order food or make something happen where I, where I or go to the, what I, I often get shit delivered. I'm in a privileged, so that's what I'm struggling with right now is binge eating and Part of it is getting rid of the cravings by cutting out certain foods. But even then, it's like you still want to do it with other foods, like with meat. Even if you're on keto, you want to just uh, binge on keto foods, which is harder to do because it's more satiating. And then you still have this feeling of like, no, I'm still not satisfied. I want nuts. So cashews were the big problem. Those were my trick. That's what triggered me to binge eat is more than any any other food is cashews because they're so fucking fun to eat. They taste delicious. The texture is out of this world. My favorite type of cashews are just unsalted, raw, roasted, I guess. So not raw. I don't know what the difference is. I like both. I like raw and I like roasted cashews. But my favorite kinds are the kinds that are the most crunchy hard that just break apart in your mouth i love breaking them in half with my i love just biting into them breaking them in half and i could eat an endless amount and you're not supposed to it's bad so i've cut cashews out of my life i have to pretend that cashews are extinct like an animal i have to be like well i have to like pretend that they just died as a nut i have to be like well I'm I'm currently in mourning. I'm mourning the loss of cashews from my diet. And I have to take that seriously. And so it's been a couple days since I've eaten a cashew, but I've replaced it with other nuts like Brazil nuts and pecans. They're not as fun to binge on. I'm, they just aren't. And macadamia nuts are also very hard to binge on because they're so filling and they just don't reward you in the same way that, that uh, cashews do. And I'm sorry that I'm spending so much time talking about these about this nut. And it's a theme of this podcast to talk about how much I love cashews. It's not the first time I've done it, but like, I guess if I'm talking about it on this podcast, it makes it me more likely to try to actually recover. So... And I'm not on keto right now. If I'm on keto, there's this thing 
that happens if you're doing it properly, you become fat adapted. That means that your body is running on ketones. It's running on fat instead of carbs. And that is a hard transition to get into. It takes sacrifice. You have to like be like, nope, I'm just going to get through the cravings. Right now I have cravings, especially since I've been talking about nuts so much, my weakness. I'm also craving meat. That's a good thing. It's better to have a craving for meat, like especially fatty meats. So my goal is to get back onto keto, like for real, because it makes me so much better. It makes me feel more energized. It makes me get through the brain fog that I've been talking about. But to get into it is pretty hard. When you live alone and there's nobody helping you out, nobody like sucking your dick and putting you to sleep and telling you when to go to bed. It's like that's the one of the benefits of having a spouse or a girlfriend that lives with you is she would go to bed at the same time as you and be like, okay, it's easier to get into a healthy habit or routine if you have somebody living with you. I'm off the fucking grid. And so that's what makes it extremely difficult. But I just know that, like, dude, I've been telling myself, like, you need, you're good enough, you're funny enough to be a comedian. What's stopping you from being a comedian is your own problems, your your uh, mental health. So, because I, and I've been becoming obsessed with comedy. I've been coming I've been becoming more passionate about the art form and just there's I have a deep respect for stand-up comedy. I don't always take it seriously for my own sets, but I respect other people's I I just know that it's something that I I I have to keep pursuing. Is dark like as as hurtful as it is to be a comedian because you it really is a you go through a lot of ups and downs but on this planet it's what i derive the most pleasure from so i need to actually take it seriously with a sober mind and a healthy approach and like not waste people's time and actually put the work in cuz if i actually rehearse my jokes like for hours a day i will do better on a show if I go through every joke and like multiple times say it into a microphone in my house, I'll eventually gain confidence. Like, well, okay, I know how my set's going to go and I've rehearsed it. So what's the worst going to, I'm going to be prepared. If you do the homework, you will be prepared for the test if you study. So I know that I'm capable of that. It's just that I don't have the energy because of mental illness. That's it. Mental problems. So I've been tr trying to fucking churn through it. And one of the things that I know will help is if I get back on keto. I just have to keep going, man. Because you go through these ups and downs. You Because Austin, Texas is the comedy mecca right now. So it's very competitive. And there's other people here that want it really badly. And there's people that don't aren't good enough at it yet to to think that they deserve it and i'm starting to realize that i'm actually pretty good at it and people are starting to come to me like 
hang out with me and like give me attention because they see that I'm actually pretty okay at it and they could tell I'm not an asshole all the time I'm not like a crazy person who burns bridges like I'm not the worst person to hang out with I could be boring at times because I'm not drinking but who cares it's better to be boring than to be unpredictable and crazy and start drama people don't like that people like somebody that's just like a good hang that's like you know like that isn't gonna be a dick like just be cool be chill people like chill people who aren't just trying to like be the center of attention and like take what is not deserved comedy is a slow burn so it's really i don't want to just be a cautionary tale i don't want to just be a dude who's older who's stuck around who still does it hasn't quit but is just there to show other comics new comics young comics what not to do because i've when I was just starting out, when I was 23 or 22, I looked at these older guys who were like in their 30s, 40s, who had a slight opportunity maybe at one point in their long career and then never got anywhere, but then go around bitching about it. Like, oh man, I had this one opportunity 10 years ago and I didn't get it and now it fucked me up for the rest of my life. Now I just go around bitching about how comedy's bullshit and how the industry's unfair. And now I just talk shit about the other comedians that started around the same time as me that are doing way better, that are light years ahead of me, that are actually, that were mean to me or something, that were... I don't know, didn't say hi to me at a party and now I'm just going to make it my fucking cross to bear to talk shit about Pete Holmes or someone that started at the same time as me. It's like, dude, I knew that that's an unhealthy thing to do. I know that I didn't want to be that. Uh, so I don't want to be just some old guy that is bitter and just talks shit like fuck this industry it's bullshit everyone who got anywhere they didn't fucking deserve it they just cheated their way to the top and that's fucking bullshit not everybody that makes it is just somebody who uh did something uh who just sucked somebody's dick or something there's some great comics that deserve their success because they just kept going they kept their head down they didn't just walk around with an axe to grind complaining they just kept focused they just used the stage time to their benefit they they didn't give a fuck about other people and what they deserve or not they just went on stage and kept taking making the best of their stage time and that's it. It's not that complicated. Because there's very few people that are good at comedy and not bitter and not crazy and good to hang out with. There's very, very few people that are talented and not assholes, that are not narcissists. Because there's, you know, it's very easy to become a narcissist if you're truly talented. People are going to give you gratifying, they're going to give you praise and tell you you're talented so that could go to your head and people don't like to be around that so it's super few and far between 
to be good at comedy and a good hang and not an asshole. So that's it. Just keep. So that's what I'm telling myself. It's like, okay, you got something going for you. Don't fucking go down the the negative path. Because it's really, I didn't think I would actually like do well in Austin. I don't know what I thought. I guess I had some optimism when I moved here. I was like, I'm going to fuck it. As I was driving in here, I was like pretty excited. I was like, you know what? I know that I have some clinical problems, mental health issues, but I was excited to be driving into this new city. Uh, and I was like, I'm going to fucking take it. I'm going to be one of the best comics in Austin. And I know that that is possible to do that. There's other issues, you know, like politics. Like I have to probably not keep saying like bad things on stage because I do like to allude to the fact that I am like a problematic white person, but it's a joke. I don't actually hate anyone by their race. I'm not like a true like racist. I allude to it because it's fun. It's fun to say that I'm racist because then I'm taking the power away from other people who tell me I am. It's like, no, I already identify as that. It's a, I don't truly, I don't, I'm just kidding. I don't actually hate fucking people. <laughs> but so I, I don't know. That could be a problem. But who gives a fuck? You just got to be funny. Just keep being funny. And so the Kill Tony thing, I did it twice now. And the, the episode came out since last time I did this podcast. And it took me a while to decide if I even wanted to watch it back. Like, I don't like watching myself, you know. So I did watch it back. And I edited it and put it on my YouTube and blah, blah. I went up as Timmy Gusto. So that's why... It's a permanent stage name. I'm going to only use that name from now on to go on anything except for this podcast. And I did pretty well. Not the set. The set was okay. I didn't bomb. But I didn't kill either by any means. Didn't kill. I know when I kill. I know what killing is. I know what it feels like. I know what it looks like. I know what the number of laughs per minute is that you need in order to kill so that was not the best part the best part was the interview and it was uh in the moment i was like this is a blast this is the most fun i've ever had on stage at least that i can remember and it was in front of ari shafir one of my comedy idols i look up to him immensely i've been his fan for a decade at least if not 15 years amazing racist on youtube was one of the first viral clips viral videos i've ever seen and it holds up it's fu it was fucking hilarious i was like this is true comedy this is real comedy and so i did my set in front of him i could tell he was kind of enjoying it he was smiling a little bit and then so they didn't really ask me any real questions they were just making fun of the fact that i was short but more so than that they were making fun of my accent because i was in a very tired mood for that set for that kill tony I had been up for at least for about 24 hours or so, something like that. I was up for like almost a full day. I couldn't get to sleep. Part of it was because I actually was excited to sign up for Kill Tony. So I was preparing for that appearance all fucking 
day and night. I was rehearsing my bits over and over until I was like, yep, I'm ready. I, I, I just said them into a microphone so many times. I was like, okay, I know how to do it. So I kind of was like super ready to go up. And I was so excited when they announced, when they said my name, Timmy Gusto is, is your next comic. And I was like walking up to the stage and such a great crowd, but I was overtired is the point that I'm getting at. I was very tired and a little bit uh, delirious. Wasn't a bad thing, though. It made me not really give a fuck about what was happening. So I, they kept asking me, like, what is with your accent? Why are you talking like that? Why do you sound like an Italian mobster? Like, nobody from Chicago talks like that. And I was like, I don't know, man. And I couldn't stop doing it. And it kept going more and more into it. They were like, dude, what movie did you watch before this? Did you watch Goodfellas? Like, what is it? And then on Ari, like, because they said, you sound like Sebastian. I was like, yeah, people tell me that. And Ari was like, yeah, it's because you're doing it. It's because you're trying to. But then later on, as I kept doing it, he was like, you know what? I'm starting to believe the accent. I think it's real. I think he's in it for good. Like, and it became, it was fun to watch him be amused the more I, because anytime I answered a question, it just kept happening. I was like, they're like, so which of your parents are you closer with? I was like, out of my parents, and then I, that just got a laugh and it got a real laugh. And Tony just kept making fun of me for that. It was like, Dad, you like deep dish? It's like, yeah. So I couldn't stop doing it. And I do it when I'm on stage. Is it genuine? I don't know. I've been doing it for long enough. Like at least I can't remember when I started sounding like that. It was at least five years ago. And I was like, is it probably that I'm copying other comedians? Yes, for sure. Yeah, because I even do it with Trump. I even I mean I even start to sound like Trump's and like, yeah, we're doing great. We're doing we're doing great. Everything's great. It's great. Uh but I I don't know. I'm pretty new at comedy. Even ten years in, I still feel like, you know, I'm pretty new at this. It takes twenty years to become a great comedian, I think, and by then hopefully I'll have a more unique delivery style. But it's hard to ditch a delivery style that works because it's all about the laughs per minute. Like, it could have been, I could have toned it down when they asked me who you're closer with of your parents. I could have been like, um, let me think about that. I could have purposely toned it down, but it, it helped. I was like, got my parents, there. like that immediately got a laugh. So what's the problem? And so I ended the set as they were getting me off stage. I was like, here's my, I kept alluding to the fact that I had a bar of gold on me and I kept trying to like hint at it to give them a reason for them to ask if I had gold on me. I was like, you know, I'm kind of cash poor. I got all my money tied up in gold and Bitcoin and all Jews have gold, by the way. And they asked Ari, is that true? I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to tell. Uh, so then at the end of the set, I knew I wasn't going to not bring it out because I planned this out. 
I planned it out for two weeks in a row. I had this bar of gold on me. I was like, it'd be funny just throw it on the table. But here's my fucking gold. And so that's what I did. As they were playing me off, I was like, here's my gold, by the way. Bling! And then I walked off. And they're like, whoa, 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 wait, what the fuck? Is that real? And my favorite part is watching the close-up of Ari, like, look at it and realize that it's real. It's like, this is fucking real. And he put it in his mouth to bite on it. And that's when he knew it was real. Like, you want that back, right? I was like, yeah, don't worry about it, man. I'll get it back later. I don't give a fuck. I was just playing into the character. And so I guess that was a good way to end it. Because I was like, because they were like, seriously, why did you bring, a, who the fuck walks around with, with gold on them? I was like, I just thought it'd be funny. I'm just being, I thought it'd be funny. And Ari was like, yeah, it was pretty funny. It actually did lead to funny things. So I, so I got off stage, left it up there, got it back after the show. I had to ask for it back. Can I please get that back? I just can't. Um, but I was very satisfied in the way it went. Like, I felt very uh, accomplished in that set. Like, I felt very validated. Ari, you know, because if a real comic tells you that you did something funny, yeah, that, that, that that's a good feeling. So I don't know if I'm ready to do it again. Like, I have to, like, kind of top. I have to keep doing better and better sets and interviews, and I don't know if I have anything new and interesting to say that would top the last appearance but i feel like i have to go back on there pretty soon because they know me now like that fucking last set or interview and the whole thing about it led to uh tony the dude that runs the, the dude that it's named after kill tony the dude tony he remembers me from that he doesn't always remember people like and i know this because he he came up to me on this on the sidewalk of a place that i was gonna go at a karaoke bar he was like hey you it's the it's the guy you're the funny guy you were pretty funny on the blah blah and i was like thank you that means a lot like we stopped and talked for a couple minutes and like you know he was like y you're funny i don't remember exactly what he said but he was like i'm it's good that you're here you're funny, blah, blah. I, you, I, that's what he said. I was like, thank you. That that, that means a lot. And uh, then I saw him again uh, at, at, at Vulcan at, uh, at a different show. And he was like, and he gave me a fist bump. And he said, hey, funny guy. There's a fucking housefly. They keep multiplying. Every time a housefly dies, a new one replaces it. I think there's like a fucking breeding ground in my anyway just texas i just i'm I, I don't like them they're very annoying so he gave me this fist bump and said hey funny guy funny man so he remembers me and he remembers remembers me in, in a way that is like a very like important way to be remembered like if you're trying to be a comedian and the dude that has that runs kill tony says you're funny it makes you kind of want to like keep going so I feel pressure to keep going there. But it's tough, man. Kill Tony's like a tough show. Like you kind of have to It really is a test to show like if you could do well in front of an audience that 
wants you to not do well. Like if you show, like if you try to make too many jokes, they will not like that because it's not your, they want to make fun of you. They don't want to see you override the system. So, you know, it's like really a crushing show to do sometimes. I've seen people get so fucking hurt on it. People that I like even, people like, wow, you even did bad on it? Like, But it's like, I guess that makes sense. If you're only a couple of years in, you're not going to be able to like take things not so seriously. If you're 10 years in, you've already bombed so much that like you have more of a sense of humor about yourself. You don't take things as seriously. Sometimes you do. Sometimes it's the complete opposite and you take things way too seriously. But like if you're in the right attitude about if you have if you're able to laugh at yourself you'll do way better on kill tony even if you bomb even if your minute bombs and it would be cool to be a regular on there i don't know it would be cool but like doing that every fucking week seems pretty like weird you know to have to like go through the roasting thing and like what is interesting about you what happened in the past week that we could talk about like hans kim I don't know if I would want to be him. Like, obviously, I do want to be him because he gets a lot of gigs. He, he gets to hang out with uh, Joe Rogan and tour with him and do arenas and get paid. But what he had to do to get there, he had to kind of, like, humiliate himself a little bit. Like, he had to have people make out with him every week. Like, that was the segment that he became known for is like having random women go on stage to make out with him. That would be kind of like dehumanizing for me. So like if that's what it takes to become something, I don't know, man. But he's also a good joke writer, and he is capable of like doing a nice 20, 30-minute set, and I do respect him as a comic. I don't think he respects me as a comic. I don't. Maybe he does. Uh, I did a road. He saw me do well. He said I did well. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. Life. I just want to keep going, man. I just want to get through the shit I'm going through, going through right now. That's causing the brain fog. I just know when I'm not performing at the level that I can. And that's the worst feeling in the world. It's like knowing that you could be doing better, but being feeling like you got this handicap. So I'm going to see if keto does anything. I'm going to try to become fat adapted where I only consume the healthy amount, where I don't just eat to fill a psychological vacuum. And, you know, I got nothing to hide. I am pretty honest on this podcast. This has been a very serious episode, and I got nothing funny to say. 3.50 in the morning is when I'm coming to you, is when I'm recording this. And, you know, it's just, you need a community. You need people to hang out with, because this city shuts down at 2 a.m., and there's nothing to do if you don't drink. So you need to find people that are up late at night, Red Band, I was I was hanging out with him. He does the virtual reality. He does uh, whatever it's called. VR, yeah, virtual reality. He does that until like 4 in the morning, dog. And it's like I could join him with that. But I feel like I don't even have like the social uh, confidence to even do that, to even be on like a VR chat with people. That's how introverted I am. 
but he's a cool guy and he remembers me now that I've done Kill Tony twice and he said I did okay on there and it's like yeah that feels pretty good I don't know why it doesn't last that long like I I don't know I guess I just always I just want it to continue I want the I just know that just because you did well once doesn't mean they're going to keep coming up to you and, and they're not you have to keep going out and proving yourself as a comedian all the time and then after a while it'll solidify and you won't have to do it as often like Dave Chappelle has proven himself so many times over that people give him the benefit of the doubt you go, okay he's always going to be a legend David Tell same thing he's proven himself so many times that like nobody gives a fuck if he what he's doing every day he doesn't have to work as hard anymore but you know i'm sure other people would i'm sure he always feels like he does i don't know because you never feel happy with where you're at i don't know i've just been tantalized i've been tantalized by like getting getting to know what it's like to do well on kill tony that it's like well shit i actually could open for rogan if i actually continue pushing myself so it's like i gotta get i gotta solve whatever is in the way of that and that is what i've been talking about so timmy gusto is my new is who i am uh i'm 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 gonna be big someday i'm almost up to a hundred followers on instagram which i don't take for granted i'm gonna I don't know. It's not all about social media. Social media is not important. It's way more important to do well on stage. Get laughs where other people are not getting laughs. Just do something to show that you're memorable. And then people will mem remember you. And like, I get external validation, but I don't get a lot of internal validation these days because I know that I'm not performing to my best ability. So I'm not feeling like that gratitude, that whimsy, that satisfaction. It's very hard to get stage time here if you're not like asking for it. Because I know I could probably get on shows if I like ask, hey, can I do a guest spot? But I don't want to if I don't feel ready. So I'm still doing like four minute open mics and it's like that's not enough stage time. I need to do like four of those to feel satisfied. If I do four four minute open mics, that's 16 minutes of stage time. It's like, okay, that's enough for one night to feel like I scratched the surface at least. And I'm starting to get hungry for longer sets. Because I know I'm capable of doing at least 10 minutes of fun crowd work and just riffing and material. Like, I know I'm... Sometimes it takes me more than a couple minutes to get people to understand what I'm doing, first of all. Because I have this edgy persona, this, like, very self-grandiose character that I do. So it takes people... It takes a little bit for people to get that it's just a joke. And then I could be funny when they realize when I'm being funny. And I got to stop stepping over, uh, stepping on my own words. I do that a lot. I'll just be rattling off, you know, just random shit. And then 
not giving people time to digest it. Sometimes if I just pause, that'll give people time to be like, oh, okay, that was, and then they laugh. There's so many things to, to, to comedy, and pacing is very important. You gotta know when to say shit. You can't just go up there and start blah, slamming into material. Sometimes you just gotta feel out the room. Like, hey, how we doing today? That's why comics, it's so common for the opening line to just be how you doing is because there's it, you need to ask them how they're doing to fucking absorb the energy of the room. I don't know. You can't just go up and be like, so I, I'm dating. I'm Dating's weird. I don't know. Sometimes you can. Just depends on the type of comedy comic you are, the type of comedy you do. Some people are just straight to the punches. I like to feel out the room. I will riff about any little detail in the room. Anything. I'll just, you know, and there's, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. A lot of professional comics do that. Some of my favorite comics do that. Mark Marin, Rich Voss are just masters of just riffing on the room and uh, just being in the moment and enjoying, having fun on stage. And the more I talk about it, the more I want to fucking do it. The problem is it's four in the morning. There's nothing going on until I don't know how many hours from now, 16, something like that, 24 no, Tw yeah, about 16 hours or so is, is when I could actually perform. So that's the thing that sucks about being a vampire. It's like you're up all night, but then when the sun comes out, it's like, well, time to go to bed. Then when you wake up, it's like, well, time to not do anything because it's I'm there's nothing going on and I'm not ready to go. I'm just not in the right mind frame of mind. So, you know, that's why people, they look at older comics, they go, well, he's not that, he's not that good for somebody 10 years in. He, I, I would, why is he doing so bad? And that is what this podcast is for, is to explain why I do bad on stage. It's complicated, you know? You go through, you go through shit. The longer you do it, it becomes harder. And you just don't want to be hack. The second I feel like I'm doing something hack, I suppress it. So, you know, I hope that was a good explanation of why I've been bombing. You know, you're only as good as your last set. And that's just something that you feel. That's a true thing that took me a while to understand what that means. It's like, no, you're not. You're, you're not as good as your last set. What about the sets before that? It's like, well, those don't matter because you're not feeling them anymore. You're only feeling how you did the last time you were on stage. That's just how it feels. So if your last set was bad, you're going to be carrying around that that feeling of like, I just bombed. So it's like, now I got to do better. If you just did well, you're going to feel like, fuck, now I got to do better than that? That's, an, that's another feeling of that you got to get over. There's a lot of dynamics. And uh, I guess another reason I'm going through this shit right now is because of uh, crypto is very low right now it's it's down like really really down and so that does affect my mood knowing that my net worth is going down by a lot you know it's like whoa so i'm gonna have to sell one of my cars pretty soon because i'm cash poor and when you're not financially solvent 
like when you're not making money, that is a pretty bad feeling. So, you know, so I'm just working on it. I'm just working through shit right now, man. And I need to find the people that are able, that I could relate to, man, to talk about this shit. It's lonely. It's lonely in the, in the, in the middle or wherever I am. But anyway, this has been a great, this has been episode 35 of the Tim Weichselbaum show. Follow me on Instagram at Timmy Gusto. I will be putting out content. I am the leader of industry. I am the bleeding edge of coolness. So don't, you don't want to not follow me. You don't want to miss out on what I'm doing because I'm trying to get better at life every day, baby. Hey-ho!